and we walked in and the nurse you know we said who we were and the nurse came up to us and she just said like I'm so sorry we lost him and Jeff like grabbed me I mean he like instantly started sobbing and I I was I very I just stared at her like I had no I mean there it was so you know we had no preparation for this at all Welcome back to A Fresh Story. This episode is part of a special series for October, as it is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. We are honored to hold space for these profound conversations and share these stories. These stories may be of grief, but they are also of hope, resilience, and most of all, unconditional love. As a reminder, be gentle with your heart. And if you are not able to listen to this episode at the moment, we understand and we're holding you close. These conversations will change you as they have changed us. I'll let these amazing women tell you in their own words. Jenna Graham is an academic programs coordinator for special education. Jenna is a mother and a wife. But to me, Jenna is the cool older girl on my dorm floor freshman year. That's where I met Jenna, 20 years ago, when I found myself feeling lost and totally aimless those first few weeks of college. Jenna, with her cool and collected confidence, and her roommate Leanna, took me under their wing. Jenna was a year older than me. She was a sophomore when I was a freshman, and she had this amazing attitude about her that I just admired. She did not care what people thought of her. She just did her thing, and everyone else could either get on board or get out of the way. Jenna and I had many sociology classes together, like a lot of sociology classes. And over the next three years, we became great friends. Jenna was like the older sister that I never had, and I adored her. As life continued on, and Facebook let me know that Jenna had married a man named Jeff, Jenna had had a son named Max. And then in January of 2020, Jenna had another son named Charlie. Charlie was born January 8th, 2020, and he died three days later. I remember seeing the news on Facebook and my heart just broke for Jenna and her whole family. I had been posting about doing this series and producing these shows on social media And Jenna reached out to me to thank me for using our platform to talk about this. I asked her if she would like to come talk about Charlie, and she said yes. I'll let Jenna explain a little bit more. So it actually kind of goes back to my first pregnancy. Um, And I have an incredible, living, healthy little boy um, named Max, who's eight. Um, But I had a fairly traumatic experience with him um, and which was, you know, again, not something that was on my radar. I, I had lived a charmed life up until then. And um, I was able to get pregnant right away. So, you know, everything was was on track for what was supposed to happen or what I thought was supposed to happen in our lives. And I'm a loving, supportive husband. And, you know, everything was great. Um, and then... 
once I hit my 33rd week with Max, um, I went to my regular appointment and my blood pressure was really high. Um, long story short, I ended up developing preeclampsia. I had to deliver him early. Um, you know, it was ex incredibly frightening. Again, not part of the plan. Um, but we were extremely fortunate that, you know, he was he was 33 weeks. They weren't worried about his development at that point. Um, he was so healthy. They were mostly worried about me. Um, and so I delivered him um, naturally. Everything, you know, he was in the NICU for about three and a half weeks. Um, but then we got to take him home. And uh, he was born three pounds, 14 ounces. So he was teeny tiny, but he was perfect. And um, you know, so we had that experience and I was absolutely traumatized by that experience. Um, and I was certainly hesitant to get pregnant again. We had always planned to have two. That was just our, you know, our plan. And so once some time had passed and, you know, we went to all the doctors and, they um, were extremely supportive and positive that, you know, if it were to happen again, it probably wouldn't happen till later in the pregnancy. Take a take a aspirin. You'll be fine. You know, I other than having sometimes high blood pressure, I was healthy. So there was no concern um, from that respect. But I both my husband and I. Jeff and I were both very, you know, obviously we were going to do everything right. And um, that's something I go back to when I think back on the whole thing is that we did everything right. I'm an educator. I very, very much felt like, okay, I'm going to get all the education. I'm going to do everything right. And that's something that I go back to often, you know, especially in hindsight with everything we did. I sometimes have to remind myself and, you know, my husband that we did everything right. There were, the, you know, there was nothing we could have done differently. I didn't miss a doctor's appointment. I didn't, you know, like we, um, we did everything right. But so again, I was really fortunate. I think I got pregnant like instantly. Um, and we were super excited. Um, and up through, it was around, I want to say, 20, you know, I was high-risk pregnancy because of what had happened. Um, but up through 20 weeks, there were there were no issues. Um, and then at that point, they started to notice that my blood pressure was creeping. So it was very different from the way it happened with Max, where it was just like everything was fine and then bam, you know, I had to go to the hospital. Um, but you know, they had to, they, they were keeping an eye on me. And again, you know, we were really diligent about um, making sure that we weren't missing appointments and that we were doing everything that we needed to do. Um, prior to my actually my actual delivery with Charlie, um, I had to be hospitalized twice for um, observation, I guess, to make sure that I didn't have preeclampsia. I didn't. Um, I think I want to say it was like once was 26 weeks and then again at 29 weeks we thought we were going to have to deliver at 29 
Um, that was really scary. Jeff had the flu. So like I was there by myself. It was a whole thing. But um, so at that point, I think, I mean, I think I knew that I was going to go early. There was no way that I was going to make it through the whole pregnancy, but we were just trying to keep me pregnant as long as possible. And then at 31 weeks, right after Christmas, um, early January, they I went to the hospital for the third time and they said that, yes, there, you know, you have preeclampsia. So, but at that point, they were going to just, again, try to keep me as pregnant for as long as possible. And it was really difficult because Max couldn't come visit me. Um, he was five at the time and he was traumatized. So they ended up after about, I want to say it was like two or three days, they ended up inducing me. But again, like I had had the steroid shots and they weren't worried. He was, he was 31 weeks. So like, you know, we were in Mars down into them, a 31 weeker versus a 33 weeker, which was max. It was, you know, they weren't, they weren't worried. Um, so we did the same thing. They induced me. Um, it was almost like just going through, you know, going through the same steps and I delivered him. Um, I hemorrhaged after the delivery, so I was very, very weak. But same thing, he was um, three pounds, six ounces, and they brought him to the NICU. But we, you know, again, we 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 had been through this before. We knew what this was, and um, we knew what we were going to have to do, which was just wait till, you know, and, and it was the same thing. He was breathing on his own. He was, he had a feeding tube, but that was normal at that, age, at that, you know, that age. He was doing incredibly well. All of his tests were great. Like there was no, there was no cause for concern. They were not worried. And again, they were worried about me, but they were not worried about him. At that point, I, my anxiety was just like out of control I think I was only in the hot. I they only kept me for two nights um, because I just again the anxiety I really wasn't handling it well. And and my doctor, who was absolutely incredible, just came to me. And even though my blood pressure was still kind of going up and down, she just said like, "You need to be home. Like you're you are going. Your blood pressure is going to go straight down if you're home with your other baby. Let us take care of this baby." And well, we had no. We had no reason to believe anything other than we were just going to go through this same process. I was pumping, you know, I was sort of starting to produce milk again. It was, I can't say, it was like, it was the same, the same thing that we were with Max. This was Friday, January 10th. He was born on the 8th. Friday, January 10th, I went home. I, you know, I had visited him in the NICU several times. I didn't get to hold him. You know, I told him I loved him and I would see him tomorrow. And so we came home and I was just so excited to be home to see Max. He was, you know, he was like so confused about everything that was happening. And, you know, we hadn't even really had time to kind of prepare him for me leaving for a couple of days, you know. Um, and that night I was just like, I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, it's time to, you know, pull up your big girl panties and you're going to do, you know, you're going to do this again. You're going to take care of your baby in the NICU and, and now also your five-year-old at home and, and we're going to get through this until the next, you know, four weeks or however long he would have to be in the NICU. So I fell asleep 
um, we'll, we'll be, we went to sleep. I think it was around like six o'clock in the morning. Initially, they had called my phone, but I was like so out of it. I did answer. Um, and then Jeff's phone went off and they said, and I could hear the nurse on the phone. I, Jeff was trying to like kind of keep me from hearing it, but um, she just said that um, everything was fine until a few minutes ago and his vitals just started tanking and they were trying to resuscitate him, but like, we really think you need to get up here. And when I heard that, I I think I knew right away um, we had never gotten a phone call like that from when Max was there. Um, so I knew at the very least something was very wrong. Um, talking to Jeff later on, he said that he did not get that sense, that he felt like, okay, we'll go and there'll be a setback or something like that. Thankfully, my parents live very close to us, so we just called them and said, like, we need you to get here now to watch Max. And um, we got in the car and we're about 45 minutes from Morristown. I don't, Jeff, I think, I mean, we just flew there. I think we got there within half an hour and um, we walked in together. Um, we got up to the NICU, we washed our hands and we did all of the stuff. Um, and we walked in and the nurse you know, we said who we were and the nurse came up to us and she just said, like, I'm so sorry we lost him. And Jeff, like, grabbed me. I mean, he, like, instantly started sobbing. And I, I was, I very, I just stared at her. Like, I had no, I mean, there, it was so, you know, we had no preparation for this at all. Um, no reason to believe that we should be concerned. He was crying and I was just sort of staring and, and she was talking to me, but, like, I don't know what she was saying. Uh, we walked over. They were clearing the other baby out of the NICU because they usually, you know, and obviously had just happened. Um, and obviously they had no indication that this was going to happen either. And then we walked in and they had cleaned him up. He was just kind of like in the little, you know, in his little incubator he didn't have anything hooked up to him at that point, but I could see where, like, he had had it. And then that's when I started crying because, um, you know, babies, babies are always kind of, like, have their knees up and they're all, like, scrunched up and he wasn't. And, um, and then it was real for us. Um, well, for me, I think, you know. Um, and... So at that point, they let us hold him. Um, so we took turns holding him. That's the only time I got to hold him, which is like one of my biggest, deepest regrets. Um, you know, it's been three and a half years now, but um, I try to be kind to myself about that, that um, I wouldn't, you know, I thought we had a whole lifetime for that. By like some weird twist of fate, my my mom had come to our house with my sister. My dad must was doing something. He, I don't know if he was out somewhere. Or he just didn't get ready fast enough or whatever. So she, my mom had 
called him and said, we're going over there. There's something wrong with the baby. Um, he misinterpreted that and thought they were going to the hospital. So he actually showed up. Um, which, I mean, now I know that he is, he feels glad. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad too, but, um, so I, you know, they just had the curtains and I could just, I could hear his voice. He has a very distinct voice and I heard him talking to the nurse. And this was like three minutes after we first found out and I didn't hear what the nurse said, but I just heard my dad scream. And then it kind of, you know, started to hit me like, we're going to have to tell people, um, like, this is, this is a real thing we're going to have to do, you know? And, um, so he came in and he was able to hold Charlie. Um, so the three of us just took turns and Jeff had to call his parent, his Families from England, Jeff's from England, so he had to call and tell his mom and um and I just remember standing there and I said to my dad, like, is this what my life is gonna be now? Like, is this what how my life is gonna be defined? You know, it just it felt so big and so um impossible. He was just like, no, you're going to lead a beautiful life. Like, you know, um, so they, you know, now because we did go to some, uh, we did go to a couple of grief groups that they had there. Um, I know now that they typically have, I think, better outreach in terms of like taking care of parents in that situation. Um, but because they didn't know they had no, you know, I think they would have probably, um, had more in place if they knew that this was going to happen. It was also a Saturday morning. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but there was really nothing, um, in terms of guidance for us. We didn't, I mean, there was a lovely nurse there and she took his, handprints and his footprints um and a lock of hair and I have that in a box upstairs I've never opened it um but that was kind of it um we have photos yeah so they did call it's called now I lay me down to sleep I don't know if you've heard of that organization and at first honestly at first I just wanted to leave I, I didn't I didn't I, I remember thinking, like, I want to leave and pretend that, like, this never happened. Um, but something in me just, you know, was able to say, like, I might want these later. And I'm so, so glad that I have those pictures now um, because they're really beautiful. And, and, you know, he was really beautiful. He looked exactly, exactly like Max did. <laughs> um which is hard, but also, you know, um, something that we cherish. Um, so we stayed long enough for the photographer to get there. And we took the pictures. Um, 
And then, and this is like just awful, but this is just part of it, I guess. Like at one point, we were only there a couple hours, but Jeff just said like, I think he's starting to smell and I don't want to remember him like that. And I was like, okay. So, um, we, we said, you know, we said our last goodbye and we left, um, and it was just so weird because it was like, you know, it had just happened and he just looked like he could just open his eyes. Like I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why he wouldn't just do that. You know, when it was, um, he looked, you know, there was nothing on the outside wrong with him. So we came home and my sister was here, my brother and sister-in-law, um, and my niece and nephew uh, and Max that we had to bring Max into the other room and tell him what happened um he was not even five yet uh he just wanted to play his video game and that's totally fine um you know he didn't understand I don't think he just wanted to play with his cousins but um you know we still had to tell him he was so excited to be a big brother but um, he just kind of like ran off I, you know he again he doesn't understand he didn't understand um and it, I don't you know like the the next couple days were just um I don't even know what they were. I, th- I I recognize now that I think I was I think I was in a little bit of like physical shock. Um, I would, like my body would get cold and like I would kind of freeze up. Um, Jeff, I think his coping mechanism was really to just take care of me and to take care of Max, which I'm so grateful for now. Yeah, we've talked about it, like, how it was, like, one of those meant-to-be things, like, how that, it's just weird how that all kind of came to be, that he got to have, my dad and Max have, like, some kind of special connection, um, and he's, my dad is just an incredible grandfather, um, but yeah, there has, there, I mean, that's like too weird of a thing to even happen, even for him to have gotten there when he did, because it was only a few minutes later. I mean, it really wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, an hour later or something. Um, and I think he really, he really, as, as painful as it is, he really cherishes the fact that he got to hold him because there was just the three of us, um, who were able to do that so yeah I mean after that I know you know I was just in total shock I couldn't talk to anybody um I couldn't I couldn't eat which as you know I love eating eatings <laughs> one of my favorite things and um I remember like hearing my stomach growl because physically I was hungry and um I would like chew chew on a bagel or like a bite of a bagel that when I was just they tasted like dust I mean I've never had a physical um reaction like that in my life hopefully never will again um 
So I think, you know, my parents and my and my hut and Jeff were like definitely worried about me. There's like a very distinct person that I was before that I will never be again. My whole life is the before and after now. There's no, you know, that's how I judge almost everything. <laughs> um, you know, and I don't know if that will change or not. I, I, you know, my grief has changed and grown, but I, I don't, I don't recognize who that person was. And that's not to say that like there are parts of me that are still me. Um, and I say this all the time because I think it's a natural human instinct or desire to try to justify things. And like, you know, I'm sure all the moms have gotten the like, you're so strong and how do you do it? And it's like, well, go fuck off. Like, and it, if like, I really have a choice. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? But I, I fully recognize that like, I'm a more empathetic, kind person now, but I would in a second choose to be like kind of shitty and selfish if it meant my baby was here, <laughs> you know, I just don't have choice. I spent a lot of time, the fr the first like month I everything just felt like too bright and too painful and too hard um I would gather myself enough we were I guess lucky enough that we had the resources to be sending Max to daycare at that point I mean I was working still I mean obviously I didn't go back to work for several months but um so I force I would force myself to take a shower in the morning and that was like if I could do that um then I felt like I did you know I was doing enough for what I was capable of doing um and Jeff and I would bring him to daycare together because I just felt like I wanted Max to know that I wasn't giving up and I wasn't dying that I you know um, and then, like, kind of the second he was out of, you know, out of sight was when I would just collapse. You know, I was physically not well for a while, but it, it's kind of impossible to separate the two, I think. I had a therapist that I was seeing before um, who I still see, and she's absolutely wonderful. And um, I don't I don't know that I would have been able to process it the way that I have um without without her I was really really lucky to have the people in my life that I did like I complain about my family plenty because we have no boundaries and you know families are families but I have to say that they all showed up for us and for me you know we we had a service for him um, it wasn't like, I guess it wasn't a full funeral and we're not really religious, but um, it felt important to both of us to just sort of, you know, acknowledge him. The amount of people that came, I, I mean, I hadn't, 
I mean, again, I guess I wasn't really thinking about it, but like people from work, people from high school, people, you know, family, cousins. I mean, it was really, really beautiful. The people that showed up. And um, so when I hear, you know, some people talk about how they weren't given a lot of support, like we were, we were really fortunate. We got a lot of support and it did, it helped. I mean, it didn't make it hurt less, but it helped. Um, they, at, at, I was teaching at the time and they, um, they set up like a meal train. So people were bringing us food and, um, gift cards and it was, they, like people showed up. Um, and that was really, really beautiful. I'm really fortunate that my husband, I mean, he's British, so they don't express feelings unless you force them to, but I think he may, you know, I think he took his grief and kind of put it aside to make sure that Max and I were okay. And that, that gave me the time to like process what had happened because, you know, it's not just, it's not just losing the life that I had living inside me or, or had out here for three days. It's losing your whole future. You know, I imagined my two boys playing in the playground and growing up together, living their lives, you know, going, you know, doing all of the things that we did with Max and more and family vacations and and everything. And it was all just gone. And it wasn't gone because I, you know, I still have so much of that, but it was so changed. It was really hard for my brain to, to catch up with that. Um, I do remember thinking when we, so a a couple days later, they, they didn't do a full autopsy on him, but, um, they did do some tests and he, he came back positive for E. coli. So somehow he, he got an E. coli infection and that's how he died. And, um, like, we'll never know how, um, I blamed and sometimes still do blame myself that like it must have been me. It must have been my body. Um, he was so little he couldn't fight it off. And in that moment I remember thinking, like, this this life is all wrong. Like maybe I should just end it. Like, you know, I and I wonder if I could start over somehow, you know, and I not that I, I never had like suicidal ideations but I just remember being like this is so wrong how do I make this right again how do I make this better and you can't because this is just what the reality of what happened had I not had the support and like you know the therapy and the resources um I could see very easily going down that road I don't I don't there's no way to really describe the pain of it it's just the world is wrong that's the only thing I can say is that when your whole biology, but also like your heart and everything is is about protecting your children, and then you couldn't, the world is just wrong and babies shouldn't die. There's no, and there's no, you know, we were again lucky. We didn't get too much of this, but, 
you know, the whole everything happens for a reason. Again, like, I, I, I like, tell me, tell me what the reason is. You know, you're praying for us. Well, that's great. But like, why? What kind of God takes a baby? I don't like I, I can't. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just not. And I don't know that I'll ever get there. But and and I have actually said those things to people. They don't particularly respond well to that. But also, I don't care. It's like they have babies. I, you know, like you don't get to talk until it's you. To be honest, I don't remember it. I don't remember it. I remember saying goodbye to to Charlie. And I relive that a lot. I don't remember leaving the hospital at all. I remember pulling into the garage and we turned the car off and I knew that like my family was upstairs and they knew what had happened. But we also knew we had to tell Max. And I remember we just sat there and I had the little box of like his footprint and and I just was like, and we just sat there for, I don't know, a minute just saying. And I think I don't even know if we were talking. I just remember being like, okay, like we have to go do this now. And you do it because you don't have a choice. You do it. I think it would, and this is just sort of my philosophy on the whole thing. Like you keep going and you heal and you, you keep, you move, move forward. You'll never move on, but you move forward for your child, but also for yourself. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. For a while, there's a lot of guilt associated with it. I was so fortunate, like the pregnancy that I did have with him, he was extremely active. He always reminded me that he was there. And I think back now, and again, I don't know what I believe in, but I feel like he was just somehow he knew he wasn't going to be here that long and wanted to make sure I knew, you know, that he was there and the, the love that we have was so real and if it had been the reverse you know I would have wanted him to live a loving full life and I can't imagine he wouldn't want that for us when I when we when I was getting ready for his funeral um randomly my mom brought out this necklace and it was a blue dragonfly she put it around my neck so that's become sort of my symbol for him. So anytime I see a dragonfly, um, you know, I smile. Sometimes I cry, but I smile most of the time and I'll say, hey, Charlie, I know you're here. Um, and I've seen him in some really weird places where I'm like, I don't think dragonflies are normally here. I bet this is you, bud. We, the last three years, we've had a birthday party for him. We, I found this this woman in town who I actually used to teach um, and she makes custom cakes. So, you know, every year I kind of spring for like these beautiful custom cakes that she um, has made and we sing happy birthday to him. And it's just like the, the close family. And then on the day he died, Jeff and I, drive down to the beach which was kind of Jeff's idea I think he just feels closer I, I don't I don't know that I feel him there but my husband does and um we go there and it's like January so it's always freezing but we just um you know it's like a two and a half hour drive but we talk about him and how we've grown and moved forward and and 
and how we honor him and think about him. And it's time for just the two of us to kind of talk about him. And we pick up some shells and then we turn around and come back. I very much feel strongly that, you know, he's still my son. And I talk about, you know, if we're talking about pregnancy, I talk about both my pregnancies and my deliveries. And um, I talk, you know, he had a personality. He was feisty and and he was so active. And um, I had a friend who at work, she's like my best friend at work. She um, like he was always moving and I'd be like, oh, my God, you got to feel the baby. And she'd like come over and put her hands on my stomach and he would stop every time. So we're like, he's a joke star. So like he's this feisty, silly, you know, yeah, kind of like my dad and my grandpa, who he was named after. You know, I talk to him. I talk to him when I'm when I'm grieving in particular. But, um, you know, I write letters to him. Um, I've done that at, at his birthday and usually at his party. I've gotten seed paper with his name and like a little quote and I'll distribute that around the office or to my family or yeah and I just I want him to make his mark on the world and his life to turn into something beautiful and living and here I asked Jenna to explain how Charlie's loss impacted her marriage and here's what she said Oof. um <laughs> it's that's a really good question. We've definitely had some ups and downs since then. I think we were more united than we've ever been in the, you know, probably the year afterwards. Um, I would say that we've, we've struggled um, in terms of, you know, I went to therapy and went to grief groups. Um, he went to one grief group, group with me. And this also happened January 2020. So COVID happened right after. And um, so there was a lot of craziness in the world and, and we were trying to grieve and, and navigate that at the same time. Um, I want another baby. Um, and he for a long time did not. I think he just was too traumatized, which I understand. Um, we, he, he, I, I would potentially take the risk of another pregnancy, but he has made it clear that that's not, <laughs> that's not something he, he can't watch me do that again. So we are trying to adopt. We're in the process now. Um, so we've been in the process of adopting for about a little over a year. So we're hoping like in the next year we'll get our baby never to replace, but to, um, you know, because we, we have room in our hearts for that. Um, but we, it was really hard. It was really hard to be on two separate, you know, two different pages in a way that we hadn't been. Um, so, I eventually kind of told him, not told him, but I said, like, he he put his grief aside to make sure I was okay. And once I was back on my two feet and okay, 
I sort of had to push him into going to therapy and getting help because I think his his way was distraction and um that's not how trauma works trauma trauma and grief doesn't heal by you know distraction um I think that's something he's learned and again I'm like really fortunate he is who he is because um he would do anything for our family and that was I think really difficult for him but he um has found some comfort and healing in that and I think we're finally finding ourselves back in the same on the same page um but it took some time and it was hard it was really hard to to severely traumatized grieving people trying to continue raising their family and potentially expanding it yeah and I think I got a validation from my family that he didn't um and again I think that's a cultural thing his family is lovely but um I think they expected him to put it aside and move forward and and just and move on unchanged and that was just not something that either one of us was capable or should do like you know I mean Charlie is worth being changed for and um and I think fundamentally we all are really changed when I asked Jenna for her wise words of advice for anybody who's experienced infant loss I really loved what she had to say I would say um to be kind to themselves because it's far too easy um, to blame yourself. And something I've said to my husband and to myself um, reliving the experience is that if, if there was anything we could have done to change it if there was anything we could have done to make it so that he was here he would be I would say whatever you're feeling in terms of wanting to talk about it or not talk about it or you know wanting to hide away for a while needing to rest any of those things it's right it don't don't let anybody else tell you what your grief looks like um and to honor that. Um, and I would also say like one of the most healing things that I did was joining a group of other couples that had recently lost their children and talking about it. It feels lonely. It feels so lonely. But there are other people out there and don't be afraid of making somebody uncomfortable. That's that, that's not your problem. And I, I kind of, I did just say that, but like, don't let the fact that it makes other people uncomfortable keep you from telling your story. Because more than anything, I found comfort in people bearing witness to my pain and um, being able to tell that story in a safe place is one of the most healing things that, that that person can do and if you're somebody who's a friend of somebody going through this just listening and re really listening not listening to respond like really hearing what that person is saying that's how you're there for them and you know there's no 
Nobody knows how to respond to this. Nobody wants to talk about dead babies. They don't, right? So, but that's somebody's life and that's somebody's reality and um, that's how you show up for them. The worst, the worst thing is, um, and one of the hardest things that I still deal with is when somebody asks how many baby, you know, how many kids do you have? I've moved into a place now where I'm, Often will say one because um, I I recognize that it's not a betrayal of Charlie, um, but not everybody deserves to hear my grief. Not everybody deserves to hear that story. Um, I think at the beginning, I would have felt like I was betraying him if I didn't say two and I didn't explain. And you know, um, but you know that's something else that I would say is like whatever you choose to do or say in this time, like, it's fine. It's fine. And um, if it brings you even like the mildest comfort, then do it. I mean, you know, don't hurt anybody or yourself. But if it brings you comfort, just just do it. It's um, the first couple months are the most horrific thing a person can go through. Um, I would say the second year is actually harder than the first, which I've, I've had heard before. Um, but it's true because you start walking in the world again and people aren't asking how you are and, um, you just have to live your life like this thing didn't happen. And people think it's been a year, you should be past it. You're not going to be past it this isn't something you get past this is a part of you now and it's it's hard to to live in that world you'll figure it out but it's hard i asked jenna if she had anything else to share and what she said was so profound that if you know somebody who's experiencing pregnancy or infant loss or child loss i highly recommend sharing this with them somebody who i'm um, not really even that close with, but um, but this gives me great comfort. As somebody who isn't particularly religious or, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I believe in science and all of those things, but um, they've done studies, I guess, in women's blood sh- bloodstream and like babies and, and all those things and that um, those embryonic cells, they stay in your body forever. They're in your bloodstream forever. And um, so there's a part of Charlie and Max that are just living in me. And if if there's nothing beyond this, you know, if I'm not going to die and hold him in my arms again, which like, my God, I hope I do, but who knows? Um, And all we are are cells, then I'm with him always, forever, for the rest of my life. And that's a beautiful and comforting thing. Thank you, Jenna, for sharing your story with us and for sharing Charlie with all of us. We will remember him always. A Fresh Story is produced by Fresh Starts Registry. A heartfelt thank you to all of the women who shared their stories in this special series. And a special thank you to Alex Mooney, who has been our special consultant for these episodes. 
If you are experiencing pregnancy or infant loss, we hope that these episodes helped you feel a little bit less alone. We love you and we are holding you close.